Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Bavarian Podcast Work Show Weekend Warm-Up. This is Chuck Smith and I am here to walk you through all the big news and events of the week. And despite Bayern Munich not playing, it has been a very eventful week on the footballing scene for Bayern and Germany fans. And let's just start out with the big news of the week. And that happened pretty early on when Bayern Munich CEO Karl-Heinz Rummenigge decided to end his tenure prematurely and he will step away at the end of this month. Uh, He was originally supposed to finish out his term through the end of the calendar year, but Rummenigge said this was as good a time as any with the fiscal year ending for Bayern Munich and uh, the outgoing (laughs) cast of characters, which includes Hansi Flick, Miroslav Klose, Herman Gerland, Jerome Boateng, David Alaba, Javi Martinez. It really was the end of an era and a spot for turnover with so many people going out of the club and others coming in like Julian Nagelsmann. Uh, Rumenega used his common sense to say this was the natural time for a split, and I think I agree with him on that. Uh, at this point, uh, Bayern Munich has groomed Ali Khan to takeover and he has been involved in all of the major decisions given that this season just ended given that there's so much turnover going on I just think it was the right move and once again Rumenega pushed all the right buttons and really picked the perfect time to walk away I don't think staying another six months really would have benefited him uh, at all I mean in all reality he's done everything he can do as an executive Uh, He's overseen treble winners. He's overseen sextuple winners, multiple Champions League uh, trophies in his cabinet. Obviously, he is a legend at the club and has just a storied history as a player and executive. He has really, if you had to do a sports cliche Mount Rushmore of figures for Bayern Munich, it would be you'd be hard pressed to find many people that deserve to be on that mount. more than Rumenega. So I think that, uh, you know, as he released this news, it was just natural. And I think people accepted it. And obviously, he knows what's best for him. And it's it's really exciting for him because now he gets to move on to the next chapter of his life. And, and what that includes is probably some downtime. But, uh, you know, I would not be shocked if we saw some consulting opportunities arise uh, for the DFB or even UEFA or FIFA. Rumenega has just too big of a brain for the game uh, to lay idle. So we'll see how it goes. I'm sure he's going to enjoy some downtime and some time away from the sport, but it would not shock me if he uh, decided to come back and, and maybe uh, in some kind of consult, consulting or advisory role for a major organization. So we'll see what happens with that. But congratulations on a great career to Rumenega. I'm sure the club will miss him and his leadership and his calming presence. And one, I guess one final note on him is one of the things that he said over the course of this week when talking about losing his normal seat of the games is that he may uh, take a seat once again next to Uli Honas and <laughs> get Honus used to hearing a lot of the swear words that Rumenega uses. So I'm sure those two will link up uh, in the stands soon enough next season and enjoy watching the games together once again. Uh, some of the other big news that we saw, uh, really, 
and involved some of Byron's younger players in what we termed as a fire sale on the site. Uh, obviously, this was a dismal loan year for so many Byron prospects. I mean, you could go through our Bavarian Loan Works pieces and find <laughs> just about every player that went away on a loan this year uh, had a pretty miserable experience. And three of those players that, that really had a tough time and that are coming back to Bayern Munich are Mikhail Cuisance, Joshua Xerxy, and Adrian Fine. And those three players on the surface all look like fine prospects, not to uh, repeat fine too many times. But Cuisance is a creative midfielder with a dynamite left foot, very uh, good, his great footwork. Uh, but his attitude and the way he assimilates himself into the team concept have not really come together uh, for a first team. It didn't happen with Bayern Munich last season, and he was not able to establish himself at Olympic Marseille this year. Uh, and, and I'll be honest, I was really disappointed with how his loan spell ended. Uh, I had high hopes for him there, and not, not in a way that I hoped he would go there, discover what would make him an effective player, and come back to Bayern and, and contribute to the team. I, I fully expected this loan to end up in him being purchased by Marseille. But um, unfortunately, he was a bit of a disaster. Uh, he started out okay, got a lot of rave reviews, and then just went into a rut. Uh, they had a coaching change. He was able to temporarily revive his career there for a minute and then went right back into a rut. So unfortunately, Cuisance is coming back, and he, along with Fine and Xerxes, are both, all three of them are part of the group that Byron is going to desperately try and sell over the next few weeks uh, as we get into the summer. And for Xerxes, it's, you know, it's been a little bit of the same. I know I've, I've been pretty consistent on him. Uh, you know, he had an opportunity to go to Parma and really, again, uh, put himself on the right track to finding a career. Uh, obviously, his loan to Parma was a good sign that he was pretty much done at Bayern Munich. Uh, Obviously, being behind Robert Lewandowski is not advantageous for anyone. And then he also found himself behind Eric Maxim Choupo-Moting. So uh, Xerxes' career in Bayern is essentially over. But when he went to Parma, obviously did not get off to a great start and then was injured. And that really just killed him. Uh, you know, he's a big kid. Uh, he's tall, does not use his body well, does not for being a quick player, does not move especially well on the field in terms of finding space and making runs. Uh, really disappointing year for him. I'm sure he is is not really happy with uh, where he's at in his career. And it's not shocking to hear that Bayern Munich wants to unload him. I think at this point he just needs to, to move on and do what's best for him. I don't think a spell with Bayern Munich 2 is really going to do him any good. So... Uh, I'm not shocked to see him there. And, of course, Adrian Fine went to PSV Eindhoven and was not, again, another player who probably should have went in and contributed and established himself as a starter at some point, just could not get it done. Uh, it's really it's disturbing in a lot of ways because if you think about the prospects that Bayern Munich has had, these are three guys that were really heralded at one point. And I think that many fans thought they could eventually break through with the Bayern first team. But... That's clearly not going to happen, and that's why they're going to be part of the fire sale this summer. Uh, two of the other players that were involved in that story, which came from Build, were Corentin Taliso and Buenasar. 
for Tolisso, it's really just a matter of what he wants to do at this point. Bayern Munich is is obviously probably looking to retain him for as long as they can, but this is a do-or-die summer for him. If he's going to move on and Bayern is going to make any money off of him, they will have to sell him now. And for Tolisso, I mean, he's young and he's a talented player, relatively young. He's at 26 now. But it's, it's really disappointing because his career has just been derailed by injury after injury. And it's a shame that a player like him who has the dynamic ability to go box to box and contribute both offensively and defensively. I thought he played really well under pressure, but injuries have just killed him. And he's also in the um, really unadvantageous position of being behind Joshua Kimmich and Leon Goretzka at Bayern Munich. Uh, clear, he's clearly the third choice there. And while he has great skill and ability, uh, I just don't think he's ever fully recovered from his injuries. And it's not shocking to me that, you know, his name is being bandied about here. I think it's what's best for him is to move on. For Bayern Munich, I'm sure that they would like to keep him. But again, they have to weigh having that security of having a talented backup versus losing him for no money after this season. So I think this is probably the summer where he moves on. And I think it's probably best for all parties Although that is really going to leave Bayern Munich with a thin core of midfielders. And I think they're going to have to do something about that. And they're going to have to find a cheap way to do it because, by all accounts, they do not have a lot of money to spend this summer. Finally, the last name on that list was Bunasar, who is a player that I think most Bayern fans kind of wish was never signed uh, right before this season. Uh, Saar never really clicked. I'm not sure that he... <clears throat> was quite what Hansi Flick had in mind when uh, the manager called upon for reinforcements uh, before the season started. Saar uh, just really, I mean, one, even when Benjamin Pavar was not playing at his best, Saar was in no position to be able to unseat him or even provide a little bit of relief so Pavar could once again uh, regain his form after his injuries uh, you know obviously Pavar turned his season around and had a a really good campaign but the beginning of the season was rough and the fact that Hansi Flick really had no choice other than to keep rolling him out there when he was not at 100% it really told the tale of, of Saar and his ability with Bayern Munich he really was not the player that I think anyone envisioned and it just seems like he was not a, a good fit now, what can they get for him? I mean, this was a, a player that Byron signed to a four-year deal. So <laughs> good luck trying to find someone to take that on and also pay any significant amount of money for him. So at this point, I, I'm not sure that Saar really moves on. I think that he probably gets stuck on the bench and never playing with Bayern Munich. Now, I know that with Julian Nagelsmann coming in, there may be a wingback type role, depending on what formation Nagelsmann uses, uh, that Saar could back up. But I just don't know that he's the type of player, you know that, that infamous term, not Bayern quality. Uh, he is probably not the type of player that Nagelsmann or Flick or anyone else will really be able to count on. So I expect him, uh, I expect the club to really have a tough time moving on from him because I don't know who they'll find to take him. But again, it's another situation, just like the four aforementioned players, where he could potentially have a better 
more smooth career if he leaves Bayern Munich. Now, all of those potential departures just leaves the roster very, very thin. And it'll be very, very interesting to see what Brazo can do in this offseason. Uh, with limited funds and a lot of needs uh, if some of these players leave, uh, Brazo is going to have to work his magic. It will not be easy to get free transfers this summer. As good as some veteran players are that might be available, you're going to have to pay them, and that's another issue with Bayern Munich, but who by all accounts does not want to break the bank or upset their payroll in any way, especially at such a key time when players like Joshua Kimmich and Serge Gnabry and Leon Goretzka and Nicholas Sula, Kingsley Coman are all looking for new deals. So uh, and I guess we could add Robert Lewandowski to that mix too. So it, 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 Brazo has his work cut out for him. He's going to have to find value deals and he's going to have to find impact players and it is not going to be easy. If next season's Bayern Munich team experiences any type of injury or run on injuries, it's going to be very difficult for Nagelsmann to depend on the backups because quite simply, they do not have a lot of top caliber quality behind their starting players. So that fire sale that's going to happen is going to leave some holes and we'll see how Brazo can manage that. One of the other, uh, speaking of Brazo, one of the other stories that came up was another one of his white whales. Obviously, he chased Leroy Sané for so long, and it was such a draining experience for anyone having to cover that. When he finally got Sané, it was more exasperation and relief than actual excitement. Uh, but another one of Brazo's great pursuits is now, again, in the picture, and that's Callum Hudson-Odoi from Chelsea. Now, Hudson-Odoi was a very highly touted prospect who about a year and a half ago started to really appear on Bayern Munich's radar. And they were heavily linked to him several times and were rumored to be very close to landing him. But he opted to sign an extension with Chelsea, a rich extension, might I add, where he thought he was going to be able to break through and become a club stalwart. Well, that has not happened. Chelsea obviously uh, has won the Champions League and really had done so without any great contribution from Callum Hudson-Odoi. Now, Hudson-Odoi is a, is a talented player. He's a fast player. He's got skill. But consistency is an issue. And uh, by all accounts, uh, he has not been the easiest player to work with for any of the Chelsea managers. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. He's obviously a player that is not going to have the attitude that he'll sit and wait for an opportunity. It seems like he's gotten very impatient with Chelsea and that he's going to want to move on. And obviously, with uh, Brazo being a huge fan of his, the natural links between Bayern Munich and Chelsea right now are off the charts. And people are getting a little bit excited about this. I'm not so sure <laughs> that I would take Callum Hudson-Odoi at this point. Uh, you know, he's also been rumored to be linked to Borussia Dortmund, but and I think that actually might be a better place for him. But back to Bayern, he at at what would he be at Bayern? The fourth winger? I, I just don't see it. And that's and fourth might even be a stretch because you have obviously Kingsley Coman, Leroy Sané, Serge Gnabry, and you have Jamal Musiala who did a terrific job in the second half of the season playing out wide. I mean, I know I just lamented the lack of depth, but I don't see the, the rationale to bring in a fifth wing, especially because you don't know if Julian Nagelsmann is going to deploy a formation that's even going to rely on traditional wings. 
uh, at this point. So as much as some people in the BFW community or Bayern fans in general might like to see Hudson Odoi, that might be one I sit out on and just let go by. I think that Bayern would be better served trying to find a little more depth in the midfield, perhaps uh, maybe even a couple of midfielders, to be honest, because I think they need at least one offensive-minded midfielder and one defensive-minded midfielder because we still don't know what the club has in Mark Roca. <laughs> so there is a lot going on right now. And for as talented as Byron's starting 11 will be next season, their bench is going to be very, very questionable. And I don't think that situation would be helped by Callum Hudson-Odoi. So uh, I would let him kind of just roll by <laughs> and, and let him go. And I guess the last big sports-related story of the week was really Germany's up and down, more down than up performance against Denmark. And I did the post-game show, and I, I, I wrote a little bit about it in the Daily Schmankerl, and, and even wrote another commentary about it. Uh, it, it I don't want to call it a debacle, but it, it kind of is at this point. Uh, Yogi Love keeps he keeps toying with these back three formations, and it's very clear that the team is not operating at its best within this formation or within any iteration of the back three formation that he seems to uh, enjoy. Now, we just saw, before I started to record this, a story from Build where some of the veteran players, actually not even just veterans, but some of the players in general, are starting to question Love's tactics because they are more comfortable with a back four setup. And that is a problem because the last thing that anyone needs before the Euros is the roster questioning the coach's tactics. Now, the only one who might think a back three at this stage is worth it is Yogi Love, from what I can tell. It's not that it was utterly unsuccessful against Denmark because for the majority of the game, Nicholas Sula, Mats Hummels, and Matthias Ginter were very, very good. I thought they were excellent, really. Uh, one breakdown, one excellent pass by Christian Eriksen cost them going from being awesome to being okay. And, and that's unfortunately the way things came across. And it was really disappointing to see how Yogi Love pointed the finger at Nicholas Sula afterwards when in reality, sure, Sula's positioning could have been better. But Mats Hummels was injured. He was shouldn't have even been out there. He was having patella issues and... Yogi Love left him out there. So obviously, if you watch the replay on that, at first I thought, wow, Hummels just really wasn't running to get there to try and make a play on Yusuf Paulson. But in reality, he couldn't. He couldn't get there because he was hurting. So I don't know why he was even on the field to begin with uh, at that point. I mean, this is a valuable, good and valuable player. You want him for the Euros. So you would figure you would have this player in a position where if he was feeling some pain in a friendly, you would get him out of there. So I just don't agree with really much of what Yogi Love is doing right now. And I know I've been one of the people kind of beating that drum for a while. But the formation isn't working. Pointing the finger at Sula did not sit well with me. And, you know, I thought he was really slow to react offensively with, with how he used the players. I mean, it was very clear early on that Leroy Sané and Serge Gnabry we're not comfortable in that alignment. And I've said it several times, but to me it looked more like a 3-4-1-2. And those two players were at the top. Uh, there were issues with Sané's defending. There were issues with Sané being all over the place. I'm not so sure that he quite was 
really given the freedom to float around as much as he was, it seemed to really create clusters in the offense and really just choke the life out of the offense. I thought the wingbacks did a terrible job at, at recognizing space and, and contributing offensively. It seemed like when they got involved in the offense, all they did was eat up space. Uh, and I like, I don't dislike Lucas Klosterman. I'm actually a big fan of his, and, and I don't dislike Robin Guzzins either. But I feel like in this formation, they're just very confused on what they should be doing, when they should be going up, and how they should contribute offensively. And when you add those two in with Sané and Gnabry not really playing at their best, Muller trying to reintegrate himself into the squad. And really the only effective player offensively was Florian Neuhaus, who was playing midfield. Uh, it, it was just not good. And, and really Neuhaus was the saving grace because he showed some creativity offensively and got involved from that midfield position in a game where really Germany had nothing going on. So, uh, it, you know, unfortunately, it was just another Yogi Love type game where that we've gotten really accustomed to, where the team just looked flat. They did not look sharp. They did not look precise. And one defensive breakdown was enough to cost them a victory. So, unfortunately, like it looks like more of the same at this point. Hopefully, Germany can get their act together before they have another friendly against Latvia because if they do not. That game against France could be very, very ugly. And unless Germany parks the bus, uh, it could be a bit of a blowout. So let's hope that doesn't happen. Let's hope we see a better effort against Latvia. And let's hope that Yogi Love starts to realize that a back four for this team is probably the best way to go. And one final thing I want to hit on, uh, and it's not a Bayern Munich note, but I, I just want to give HBO some credit for the job that they did with Mare of Easttown because it is a rare feat for HBO to really, really hit its landing these days. Uh, I have not thoroughly enjoyed an HBO series since uh, True Detective Season 3. Now, True Detective Season 1 is a classic. Season 2 was a dumpster fire. Season 3 was excellent. Uh, but since that point, I have really struggled to find an HBO series that has been good all the way through and had a good ending. And one thing I can tell you about Mare of Easttown is that it was interesting, compelling, and a lot of fun all the way through. And it was described in some areas early in the first few episodes as misery porn because there were so many down things about the show and learning about the characters and the struggles that they had and what they've had to go through in their lives and all of the terrible, terrible things that have happened to them. But... Uh, in a way, it was a story of redemption as well, because despite how many struggles that these characters have had and all the tough times that they had, uh, there were really the ability for the show to come full circle by the end uh, was impressive. And I'm purposely not giving you spoilers because I, I actually really want people to go and watch this because it was an enjoyable and worthwhile experience from start to finish. Uh, Kate Winslet was freaking tremendous in it. Uh, Evan Peters stole the show from me, though. He was great. And obviously, Jean Smart is awesome in everything that she does. But it was it was really well done. Uh, a lot of red herrings, a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> I say a lot of fun. And the subject matter was not itself fun. But the way that the show was written and the way they keep you on your toes and keep you guessing, I thought it was just excellent. And, you know, if you are a BFW reader out there and you are looking for something to binge watch, I highly recommend it. It is worth your time. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and I've already spoken several times about my affinity for 
where it was filmed and some of the locations as I mean, these are places that I've been. Um, although the dive bar that they filmed in was not was one of the few dive bars in this area that I have not went into and probably for good reason. But uh, <laughs> it is, uh, you know, I think you'll learn a little bit about me by watching it as well. And maybe learn why I say some of the things the way I do with that accent. So uh, if you can take one non-Byron note out of this, take your time, watch Mayor of Easttown. You won't be disappointed. And if you're an HBO subscriber like me, uh, you'll really appreciate the ability to feel like you actually spent your money on something worthwhile because I, I truly was ready to cancel HBO before that. So uh, I think it's extended its lifeline a little bit for me. Uh, you know, I'll have to check out their upcoming shows to see what's going on. But if it's anything like the last two to three years, I, I have not been interested in anything they've produced really in terms of their series. So, uh, you know, I'm a big Curb Your Enthusiasm fan and, you know, some of those shows that are kind of in and out and that come out every few years. But, um, you know, we'll see what happens with HBO and whether I can maintain that subscription. But, uh, hey, thanks again for joining us. Appreciate you taking this time. Have a lot of fun doing this weekend warm-up show. We get to cover all the news that happens over the course of the week and hit on some of this crazy stuff like the entertainment scene. So, hey, have some beers this weekend. Have some fun. I know that's what I'm going to do. And just enjoy it. Keep checking our site, BavarianFootballWorks.com. You can get me at The Barrel Blog on Twitter. Once again, this is Chuck Smith. Thank you for joining me for the weekend warm-up. Let us know how you're liking this version of the show. And we will see you next time.